This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone! On Tigers Radio, 97.1, the ticket. Hey, uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. Dan Dickerson's here. What's up, Double Hi, Pat. How you doing? Good, man. You know what? It was uh, really cold last week, and now it's like uh, totally ice and everything, and <laughs> can't wait for that first pitch. And... If you want to know when the next little uh, spate of bad weather is coming, uh, probably next Thursday or Friday, just so you know, because our, our next show is Friday, a week from Friday. Yeah, and uh, that's when the next uh, storm is is going to roll through, guaranteed. Uh, yeah, it is. It's it, it, you know what, the weather is kind of predictable that way based on the Tiger Caravan and uh, our show has a long history. Yeah, of this. it does. And, and you know what, the worst weather of the year actually is the time during which we're doing the show. Actually, uh, we do the Tiger Talk Show. I think which is part of the uh, the beauty of it each and every year. And I always appreciate appreciate you. And I and I have to say this though. Uh, We've known each other for a long time, man, long time. Kind of come from the same time, same place yeah. and everything. And I think you were trying to get me going there a little bit because you started talking about this rule changes thing that they were bringing up today. <laughs> oh, I want to get into a discussion oh, with man. this today. It, it just, it, oh, I you got know, you going all right. I wound you up. He did. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there like, you know, I'm sitting there trying to stuff down my dinner, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this is, you know, he's just sitting there saying that uh, to watch because I, everybody always talks about Oh, there's so many things wrong with baseball. And Rob Manford's kind of bought into this, the commissioner of it. So they're coming up with all these ideas and everything. It's like, there's nothing wrong with baseball. You know, people are sitting there taking perfection and trying to bleep it up as far as I'm concerned. So I started getting going about it. You know, yeah, you want a 20-second clock? Take that 20-second clock and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to let the better teams get the first overall pick in the draft? Do that. People what don't understand the baseball I, I draft under, at all. I don't understand that at all. That, that I, I understand that you're trying to get fewer teams to tank but or rebuild all at the same time. But really, you want to get... <laughs> The Yankees and Red Sox better picks. Yeah, when they have good seasons and a payroll, they can absolutely decimate teams like Tampa and other teams that can't possibly keep up. So, I mean, that moment, I didn't quite get the idea behind that. So you you went over everything, and and I heard about this today. You know, I was out and about. I had a lot of work to do. I was writing columns, doing things. But I heard about it. You but write I thought, columns while you drive. I think. I think sometimes <laughs> I read a lot of columns. <laughs> Uh, five a week in uh, addition to the five shows I do a week, which is fine. I got no complaints about anything like that. I'm blessed. But I have to say uh, that I heard about it, but I thought one of the things that I heard uh, while I was actually driving uh, was about the shift. That's the one thing that I actually agree about the rule changes, and there was nothing about the shift in that. Not in the articles I saw, and I were working off the Jeff Passan article with Ken Rosenthal. A lot of people written about it, but I just had the laundry list yeah, those of the guys Jeff Passan article, and yeah. uh, it was not included but I, I think you and I both feel that uh, there should be a change in shift. We, we've watched enough games, and it just I really feel like we need to bring back. This sounds silly, but reward a left-handed batter for a sweet line drive swing instead of that ball bouncing 40 feet in the outfield 
and being gobbled up by a guy who's standing in shallow right field. And the idea I like, you and I have different ideas on this, but I think both accomplish something. I like something. both of them. Ron Gardenhire, many others have talked about three infielders. If you're going to overshift, three infielders on the right side, they all have to be on the infield dirt. Now that line drive to right field has a chance of getting through at a really much higher clip, let's face it. So I like that idea. If you're going to keep the shift and there is no sentiment by all accounts among players to ban the shift, that to me is a good a good solution to what I think is a, a bit of an issue right now. Lefties with a good swing are not getting rewarded for it. No, their lefties are definitely punished. And unfairly. righties are not being punished the same way because there's no guy standing in that's, left field 45 feet out there. That's absolutely true. And um, to me, the solution would be just two guys on one side of the infield, two guys on the other side of the bag. The bag is there, and that's how you have to play it. So that's the only thing that I would go with. But I've heard this stuff about baseball from the time I can first remember baseball. You know, uh, when I first had cognitive uh, uh, memory of baseball was the 68 <laughs> Tigers. Oh, I was going to say. No, I mean, when I actually, you know, I, I actually, the first time I read a newspaper was when I was seven. So you get to the 68 Tigers, you know, I remember that. I remember that group of teams somewhat, you know. And I remember uh, hearing about baseball, the NFL was passing it, all these different things back then. The game was uh, not offensive enough. That's why they lowered the mound. They added the DH a few years later. A while those rule changes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, and so you know, looking at it, you know, and people are obsessed with it. And I, I did this, and I pointed this out to you. You were because like, because I said I agree with the commissioner that I think it's about the pace of play more than it is about length of games. I you're think right. He has a good point there, and I do think we, you know, those of us who love baseball need to look at things that. Make sure the ball is in play more often. I agree with that. And then you said. Well, I said the length of games is uh, only 15 minutes more in actuality than it was in 1960, which you looked at me and said I was crazy. And then when you looked at it, you said, well, you might have a point. And then I, but the pace of play thing is another thing that drives me nuts. I was sitting there looking at it last year. I read old school writers like Dan Shaughnessy, who grew up, his his wife's from this area, uh, Dan Shaughnessy, in the Hall of Fame now, I believe. Um, Bob Nightingale is written forever. Bob right. Nightingale's an old school writer. Oh, they're moaning about the analytics, moaning about the pace of play. Or the ball is only in or play. They, or they moaning about the length of games. Yeah, you know, and they t- and they talk about the competitive things and all this. Baseball has been through this forever. It's been the same thing forever. If the team in your town is doing very well, baseball is the king of the town. We saw that here in Detroit. There was no complaining about baseball at all. When the Tigers every year were competing for a World Series championship, and Miggy and Verlander were winning MVPs, and Scherzer got the Cy Young, and uh, JV got the Rookie of the Year, and Michael Fulmer, all that stuff. Nobody's complaining in '84. They're not complaining in New York for the Yankees, you know, or the Red Sox. Certainly, they're not hating baseball and and out in LA and all these other places, Houston, which is a big market area. It's always been about how the team is doing in the local time. So, you know, and uh, when you're talking about national thing, you're trying to compete with the NFL, with the World Series and all those uh, things, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. It's a regional game. Yes, it is. Okay, and it's got a different pace. It's got a different dynamic to it. The kids play baseball a lot still. The kids go to more minor league games. People forget how many minor league teams there are and how many kids go to those minor league games. And I've got to tell you, we have kids opening day, you know, the Blue Cross thing. Uh, the, I, I go to the games on Sunday, and I'm sitting there writing my column. I see nothing but literally thousands of kids running around the bases at Comerica Park just having a lot of fun. The line curls around to the concourse behind home plate. 
So, That's how long the line is. And those kids are younger than millennials. <laughs> so I've had enough of it. You either like baseball or you don't. I, th- okay? I think I don't think, and I would love to hear from fans. But you hear, well, this generation, everything's got to be. They got short attention spans. I think people like going to baseball games. It's a social event. They can have a beer with their friend. They can have a hot dog. They can chat. Uh, it's always been that way, and they can relax. And I think the pace is actually an, a nice break from a, a world that is pretty fast sometimes. That's just me, but I, I really do believe that. I think a, a guy taking his son to the game, mom taking her kids to the game, my mom took me to the games, sat in the center field bleachers with us. You go home, and what do you remember? Oh, that foul ball almost landed three seats away. Jimmy almost got one, you know, or they rode the carousel, or they just had it, the, the song of the day. Just In Boston, I guarantee you they talk about, hey, we sang Sweet Caroline at the top of our lungs. These are all things that you remember. It's a certain feeling, and I, I'm not sure that taking ten minutes off a game, the pace of a or the length of a game, a nine inning game, didn't change for thirty years from 1987 till 19 or 2015, they, and they, then it's gone up a little bit in the last few years. But they, it's basically right bit. at 250 to 255 for 30 years. It's not going to get. And now it's gone up to three. You're not going to get the people who aren't <laughs> watching the game all of a sudden to watch it if you cut 10 minutes off the game. Right. I got that, news for you. That's, ex- that's why the pitch clock, I'm with you. No. And the other thing, too, is uh, this thing about the ball is only in action every three minutes and 15 seconds. You know, that was the other study that they did. No, I mean, as last I looked, the emotion of winding up and throwing the ball at the home plate is action. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, there is the cat and mouse game about the pitcher and the hitter. Those are the a things. A power that, arm against a power hitter in the ninth inning and a strikeout, the ball's never put in play. Is that exciting? I think it is. And what's baseball about? It's about anticipation of that moment, anticipation about what's to happen, the strategic things that happen. You know, uh, people bemoaning about, I don't care what his launch angle is. Uh, you know, the, the technology, if you actually look at it, provides more interest in what's going on in the game. So why don't they start implying, you know, implementing this in a way that it adds to interest in game instead of constantly coming out with studies that say, we stink because the game is outstanding and there isn't a better place to be than the friggin' ballpark in the summer. I'm sorry especially a major league ballpark, watching these guys play because they play at an incredible level. All you got to do is watch a college game or watch a bunch of minor league games like I do on my iPad to know that. And appreciate how this team plays, and I mean that. Yeah, I'm the Tiger announcer. I know that. But Ron Gardenhire knows how to teach a good brand of baseball, and they made small but important improvements that we've talked about last year in a 98-loss season. When they get some talent, this is going to be a fun team to watch because of how they play the game. Uh, what do you think of the rule changes? Don, we'll get to your call coming up next. Uh, Nico Gooderum will join us. He had a really good year for the Tigers uh, last year. We'll talk to him at 745. He's Dan Dickerson. I'm Pat Caputo. Uh, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. We'd love to hear what you uh, have to say about this. You heard what we said. Let, let's hear what you have to say. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The Ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Don, you're on Tiger Talk. You're on 97.1. The Ticket. What's up, Don? Hey, one of the rule changes I think ought to be considered is uh, the number of foul balls a batter can hit. seems like sometimes batters get up there with no intention of hitting the ball. They're just trying to follow, follow the ball up till they get the perfect pitch. And they could have, you know, five, seven, ten foul balls 
their bat could, their at bat could last, you know, four to six minutes and they end up either with a walk or maybe a strikeout or something. I love those at bats. I, I got to say, I love those at bats. That's a skill. And some very good hitters have said to the years they don't have that skill. They may foul off some pitches, but I think the really good ones do have the ability to, to waste some good pitches. What would you do, though? At some point, you could just call it a strikeout? Yeah. No. I, I, you know, <laughs> I think that's well, a real I, skill. I love it. I really do. I love the 10, 12 pitch at bats those are few and far between but they the tension just mounts you know Di, i think your idea is a, a, a reasonably good one in a certain sense and I, and I applaud you for you know that idea in a way but but the one thing i always think about when there's something like that you know there's a unique quality to baseball where a lot of times you'll somebody will get a hit on a ball that they don't hit well or you know they'll hit a foul ball and it's just foul and uh you know, they'll uh, hit a ball that doesn't go hard and it, it finds a hole. You know, so in that uh, kind of oddity and chance of the game, you know, to me is part of the uniqueness of the game. You know, the fact that uh, players foul balls off like that, uh, and I know at times the some of those bats to me, I, I agree with Dan sometimes, and sometimes it just gets annoying to sit there and watch <laughs> some guy foul it off like 10 times. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but to me, it's one of the uniquenesses of the game. It's uh, a quality of the game. It's part of the natural flow of the game. And I don't want to see things, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, involving that natural flow be bastardized by rule changes or whatever. And it, your intent is right, but I just I think it would be something that uh, wouldn't be good for the game, uh, just based on that flow. I, I think that okay. baseball has got this natural beauty to it. I mean, call me crazy or whatever. Call me, uh, you know, uh, thinking idyllic uh, thoughts or, you know, beautiful thoughts, and I got roses in my mind or something. But 60 feet, 6 inches, ideal length. 90 feet, ideal length. You know, the borders of major league ballparks, for the most part, ideal lengths. The uniqueness of ballparks, different places, different surfaces, you know, uh, part of the game. Um, and uh, those are the things that make the game beautiful and unique. Uh, where if you look at a football game, it's a, you know, football's got its beauty too. I'm a big football guy, but, you know, it's, it's a different element to it. It's got its own unique elements. Basketball, same thing. Hockey, certainly. Uh, those things are what, are what make baseball unique to, and why did it become the national pastime, the central sport? Because it, there was a perfect balance to the game. So you don't want to mess with that, I don't think. Yeah. Well, no, Dan, maybe I'll just have to watch baseball another 50 years and I'll grow to appreciate it. <laughs> That's I mean, all right if you don't. I understand. Like you Don, do I, un- I understand <laughs> it. I do. I really do. I just, I, I'm always thinking, what are the pitcher and catcher thinking when it gets to the 11th pitch? It's oh. like, we've thrown everything at this guy. It's, I, right. I, I kind of find that enjoyable. I really you know, do. You know, but Don, I, Don, I understand if you don't. I can promise you this about Dan in a 10 to 1 game and some guys falling <laughs> off 10 pitches, he starts to get a little frustrated. <laughs> No, I get excited. I bet. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Don. <laughs> yeah. 248-539-9797. Here's the thing. You know this. How many times have you gone to some game? It'll be in the middle of the year. Maybe the Tigers are out of the pennant race. It's They're not playing a contender. Uh, there might be 15,000, 20,000 people there. It's a sleepy afternoon or night. And then all of a sudden happens that you've never seen happen and has rarely ever happened in the – Thousands and thousands right. and thousands, thousands of games that are played. Right. How many times do you see stuff like that? That's one of the great pieces of advice I got from Ernie Harwell early in my career. Truly. You know, how do you call games for a team that's not very good? My first year. 
He said, just remember, you might see a great game between two bad teams. True. You might see a great individual performance. True. Or you might see something you've never seen before. And I swear, Pat, within a couple of weeks of this, it might have been longer. Maybe it was later that summer, but it was the same year. Tigers have two on, nobody out. The pitcher for the opposing team, whoever it was, steps off the mound. The guy in second has wandered too far. He runs over and tags a guy between second and third. And then he runs over and tags a guy between first and second. Unassisted double play by the pitcher from two guys who just weren't paying attention. I asked Ernie, I said, have you ever seen that before? He said, never. No. <laughs> I may be remembering it wrong, but I'm pretty sure I got that one right. So baseball has a neat flow of nuances. <laughs> that's right. You know, and I agree. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of the whole thing. That's why when the, we have these discussions, I, I, I like the discussion. People are interested in it, but... Uh, to me, I, and maybe I don't know. I right. think it's a beautiful game. It's a it's it's as flawless as anything I know about. We got a few callers to get to, but I want to just throw this out there because I really like this idea of all the ideas that have been thrown out. The idea was proposed last year by many that relievers coming into a game have to face at least two batters. I really like the number two. Think of all the second guessing possibilities that opens up. For when you're going to bring in your lefty specialist. Are you going to bring him in to get the lefty knowing he's got to face a tough righty after that and he can't get righties out? Or do you bring him in a batter ahead of time? A lot of strategy, a lot of second guessing, which fans love. Now they've talked about making it three, minimum three. And I don't quite get why three when I think two would do the trick. I understand you want to lessen the pitching changes. But anyway, that's just something I'd love to hear fans' reaction to that. Robert, you're on Tiger Talk in 97-1 The Ticket. What's up, Robert? Good evening, gentlemen. How you guys doing? Look here. Since you're talking about epic bats, right, the most epic bat was last year with Mookie Betts. And I can't remember the team that he was playing against. I was listening to the podcast, right? Well, actually, I was listening to the game. When Mookie Betts had, I think he had a, like a 15 or 16 uh, pitch at bat where he ended up following about seven or eight balls off, and then he ended up hitting a home run. But here's the here's the scenario: they got this ninety well, the 99th pitch. Well, whoever hit the home run on the 99th pitch, they will win a million dollars. And I'm telling you, man, I could not believe the woman was the she was the one that um that was supposed to win. But he hit it on the 98th of bat. It was unreal. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, those are uh, those type of at bats. Thirteen pitch at bat ended with a grand slam. Right. You know, I mean, if it would, <laughs> if she would have won a million dollars, he would have hit a grand slam. I forgot or, that or, element too. That's a hundred thousand or that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, they do that every year in Boston, I guess. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. That's a good one, Robert. Yeah, you got to tell me something. You mentioned Mookie Betts. We were talking about saying, well, one of the things, you know, who's the best player in baseball? You know, is Mike Trout for sure? Who has it? How about Mookie Betts, you know? Mookie Betts isn't worth watching? I mean, Mookie Betts is, last year had the equal had an equal season to Mike Trout. You know, so. Uh, I won the MVP. There's all these great players. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, like, uh, they don't quite get the uh, same, like, you know, it was a big discussion last year. Trout, uh isn't as well-known as he should be considering how great a player he is. I think if he gets in the postseason a few times, he definitely will be. Uh, he hasn't been in the postseason enough. Uh, but you, know, you look at the great players that are in the game, they're not getting the same cachet as like Mays or even going back to like Clements and some of the others in, in more recent times. But, you know, there's great players all over the place in this game. Betts and Trout are, are right. I mean, 
It's going to be fun. I, I would just say Trout now because he's done it more often than Betts, but Betts had a, by war had a better year than Trout last year. But they were both above 10. Those are superstar future Hall of Fame types. Phenomenal okay. players. You know, and there's a lot of them in, in baseball now. They really are. So, and I think people are kind of discouraged. You know, Harper and uh, Machado are out there. there. There's a different dynamic to it, but uh, the, the game has changed. But we'll get to more of your calls coming up next. Nico Goodrum, 745. He's Dan Dickerson on Pat Caputo. It's uh, Tiger Talk and 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. 248 is the phone number. Nico Goodrum will join us uh, at a 745. Until then, we're talking about the proposed rule changes that have been all the rage today. Uh, Doug, you're on Tiger Talk at 97.1 The Ticket. What's up? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Love the show. Um, I have a way, I think, to save at least 15 minutes a game is to use the same ball. Every time the ball hits the ground, they throw the ball <laughs> over I'm to fast, the ball boy. I'm fascinated by that. <laughs> they get a ball from the umpire. The umpire, the catcher throws the ball out to the pitcher. The pitcher rubs it down, and next thing you know, you've lost a minute. That was a point to so how many times a game does this happen? At least 15, 20? Oh, more than that. Times the ball hits the dirt and they can't use the same ball? Oh, they throw the ball out any time it just uh, remotely hits the dirt. They go through balls like crazy, but I don't know if you... You don't it, think it causes time, though, when they... Oh, for sure, for sure. Here, here, here's the thing about this, all right? is uh, you know, people talk about the dead ball era and they talk about uh, the live ball era. What was the difference between the two? Uh, the one of the, the ball main, was exchanged out. The ball was exchanged out, uh, starting in about the time the uh, live ball year started. So, you know, this is something that if you were to do that, it would reduce uh, the offense if you kept the same ball in there. Now, I, I think I'm guessing this is a guess. This I don't know, but I'm guessing back then they used the same ball for like three innings or something like that. I don't. Uh, maybe you can sh- change it out a little less. The other thing well, now, too is, it, one but you're right. It lasted four innings. And the reason they started swapping it out was, of course, Ray Chapman was hit by a ball that was dirty and dark, and nobody and he didn't see it. The other thing, too, is, and I don't know if people are aware of this, I am uh, intimately, because one year I went down to fantasy camp. Now, I didn't participate wearing the Tigers uniform and doing stuff like that, but I didn't want to wimp out on the thing. So I talked to Dan Petrie, and he was still in pretty good shape because his kid was playing and all that stuff. I said, you go all out, I'll bat against you. I don't want people to think I'm wimping out. We got a bucket full of balls, right? Dan's going all out. He's sweating. Throws a pitch. And I'm not kidding you. The pitch moved like four or five different directions. <laughs> and he yelled out right as he threw it. He said, scuffed ball, meaning he picked up a ball that had something on it. Now, you and I could throw the ball, and it wouldn't do anything. But the major league pitcher, pitcher knows right. exactly what to do with that. And uh, the thing would start doing things that you can possibly imagine because of the uh, – you know, what do they call it, aerodynamics or right. whatever, the pitch coming into the plate. So there's a couple things there that would preclude that. There's a reason Emory boards and tacks have a long history in this game. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, you know, spitballs was, just, you know, the kind of the same thing or, you know, wetting the baseball. The pine tar, you know, Kenny Rogers got a lot of flack for it. Now, he said he was a cold night and he was trying to grip the ball. That was a story on it. But, there, you know, if you have something on it like that, it does affect the aerodynamics. And these guys, they play with it enough. They know what to do with it. They, Dan Petrie couldn't help but do that with that right. ball right. way through it. Oh, yeah. And he was, you know, that was long after his career was over. 
248-539-9797 is the phone number. Mark, you're on 97.1 The Ticket, Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, <clears throat> I was kind of looking, I, I write down all the Tiger games and look at certain things. <clears throat> um, they were involved in somewhere around 50, I don't have the exact number, games that amounted to one run differential. And they lost um, more than half of those games. I don't remember the exact breakdown, but there were more losses than wins. But what I was wondering, that seems to me that maybe are they really that far away? Is there any way to project uh, those one-run losses into one-run wins and and that sort of thing? No. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It's it's almost always uh, the matter of luck. The reason Seattle, for instance, had a winning record last year, even though they got outscored, was because they were thirty six and twenty one in one run games. It's usually almost right. cor- almost always corrects the next year. Texas won ninety four a few years ago, outscored their opponents by eight. The better thing to look at to me is runs scored, runs allowed last year. Try to figure out how the, how are those numbers going to change. Tiger scored 630 runs, gave up 790 last year. If you start getting those two numbers closer together, then you're talking about that's how much you're going to improve. A 90-win team basically outscores their opponents by 70-some runs. That, to me, is much better than one-run games. You can talk about they're in a lot of games, and they lost a lot of one-run games, but it's usually a matter uh, of luck. It almost always has nothing to do with good bullpens, how good your bullpen is, um, and it almost always corrects if you had a lot of good luck or a lot of bad luck. It almost always corrects the next year. That, I guess that's true because uh, there are. Uh, I know last year there was uh, maybe it was Seattle. Who was it? They uh, they actually had a winning record, but they had a deficit in their in their run differential. Right. Yeah, Seattle. They won eighty nine games and they were outscored. <laughs> that doesn't happen unless you have almost always really good luck in one run games. I had a question about the broadcast too, if I could. Um, the line score. I'm just curious why the line score isn't given during the post game wrap up. Seems like it hasn't been there for years. Uh, like could, two runs, six right. hits, no errors, one run, uh, you know, the game time, that sort of thing. We can, we can look into that. Man. We can look into that. Actually, I, I do the game recap from time to time. Usually the game recap's done back here at the station. Um, sometimes I do it on the West Coast. Just something I don't even, I, I know what he's saying. Everybody likes to know the final line score, but it really hasn't been part of the uh, the game recap for a long time. God. Uh, do you miss it? I, I don't miss it, uh, you know. I, <laughs> I know what he's saying, but I don't know. You can pick well, it up. Well, you know, the... I, look, I appreciate it because to a lot of fans. I think I I try to mention it during broadcast just because I do think fans it, it can tell a part of the story real quick. You know, two runs, three hits, four errors. That's telling a story about how this game is going. You know, I know this because I'm in the the newspaper business, but I one of the things that's a pet peeve for a lot of folks if you don't put the box scores in. You know, they love the box scores yeah. just because they're looking at it. They're used to it. It's part of their the rhythm of their life, especially for older uh, fans. Uh, it's been such a rhythm of their life for so long that they miss the box score. They want to see it printed, you know, and uh, where others, uh, myself, I would be in this category where I look at, uh, you know, I just have kind of moved past looking at a printed box score now and look at it in a different way. I prefer the... Overall stats, expanded stats, uh, you know, uh, the highlights when I'm looking at things. So it just depends on what type of fan you are and what you're right. used to. So, And baseball does have a, you know, a, a, there's a habit-forming part of baseball, and I guess that's part of it. I think uh, there's a lot of pushback that's put in there. If, like if uh, they change a part of, say, a broadcast, 
and uh, all of a sudden they'll throw some stat in there that's, you know, like they'll put OPS instead of batting average. People would go nuts, even though OPS is a much better gauge of what's going on. I noticed that they finally started to acclimate that in there about 20 years after everybody else. But can you imagine the Talking about where, in box scores? or No, you're watching the game and the hitter oh, comes Oh, yeah, yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the conniption that people would have if they put his war up there someday? So, How about you know, his Woba? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Uh, I don't know. Me, I would, you know, my suggestion would be, and this is, goes to the, the visual broadcast, uh, television, but I, I would have all the stat cast stuff. I want to know if a guy doesn't make a play, how long it took him to get there, what the odds of making the play at. I want to see all that stuff. <laughs> but I think uh, for others, it might be overload. I get all, sometimes I get I a lot of. I think that's one of the things that the TV right now is really wrestling with because some of that is interesting. Yeah. The catch probability is interesting to me because you, you can't just say he ran this far, this fast, and got this ball. I want to know, is that league average? Is that better than what's league average? You always have to make the new numbers relatable. That's right. And, and I think that's some of the things that they're struggling with. But I like that catch probability. I, I love think that, it. that absolutely tells you a story. And uh, that's the first thing I'm always thinking, you know, how come it's not up there? You know, get it up there. You know, and, and so it's, um, to me, uh, those are things, though, but it's, there's pushback on it. It's, I, know I don't this. think you can do too much of it. I really think it, it can clutter clutter things up. Well, it does, and I know you're careful about it because right. you're like me. You understand the metrics. You've followed this for a long time. I notice in your broadcast you put that in there, but you're, you know. Select- you, sele- selectively, yeah. Yeah, and when I talk about it sometimes, people just, you know, it's like, how can you say Jacoby Jones has value compared to Nick Castellanos? <laughs> they go nuts. <laughs> The Castellanos is. But that's why you're here, Pat. Yeah, but no, but that's, you know, <laughs> that's it's, why you're here. You know, uh, what, what does this mean? Value of player, value of contract. What does analytics mean and how does it do it? So there's a pushback on it. Now, there's a fan who I would guess, you know, it's just a guess. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I apologize. I'm guessing he's probably a little bit older, you know, you know and, and somebody who's followed baseball for many, many years and grew up watching baseball in a particular way. And that line score, you know, just. Uh, the pitcher walking off the mound when he's watching the game on TV. And this is one of the beauties of the game. I, it's not something I'm knocking him on. You know, I see that line score there. It's part of what it is. He probably grew up in, uh, when Ernie was doing the recap. You know, Ernie you know, would say, and the final score, the Tigers 5, you know, however Ernie talked. I don't do a, a good Ernie per- Harwell personality. I don't think anybody really has. There was only one Ernie Harwell. Uh, Tigers five runs, uh, six hits. And, no errors uh, with three left on base. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, that type of thing. It used to be, I think, a lot of announcers, you probably know this more than me, uh, the play-by-play guys would say that at the end of the end. No runs, no hits, nobody left on base. Right. You know, if you listen to some old Mal and Allen. No question that was a part of it. Broadcast. Right. So, you know, but as time has gone on, you know, there's a you know a different flow to it and different uh, things right. that are added to the game. And again, you know, to me, this is the beauty of the game, Dan. It's, you know... It, the fact that we're talking about it and everything's part of the flow of baseball. Yeah, but the change, how change is pushed back on, what people like, don't like, to me that's the beauty of the game. I, I, just, I don't really have a lot of complaints about baseball. So when people start <laughs> complaining about it, I'm always like, really? But you have some, some facts to back it up. You know, it's like, it's like I'm sitting there, you know, you're talking to somebody, man, I used to, no matter how bad a day I used to have when I was a baseball writer, man, the moment I was driving down 75 toward Tiger Stadium way back in the yeah. day, I was like, oh, life is good, man. I'm going to the ballpark. I'm going to the ballpark. I'm going to the ballpark. There's, there's not a bad day at the ballpark. You know, it's really terrible, you know, when I was trying to look at my schedule, it's like, oh, man, you got a remote at Comerica Park. You got to sit out there in front of Comerica Park and do a radio show. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Me, Really? 
You know, I mean, I'm sitting, I'm like, you know, you know I get, I'm going to go watch the game afterward and write about it and stuff. Uh, you know, I just, there isn't a better place in the world. I mean, there are other places that are as good, and I understand love of other sports, but come on, man. It's baseball. Baseball. <laughs> I mean, Pitchers and catchers you report know, in just a week. Come on, doesn't that kind of make you kind of hopeful, not so sad about the ice storm? No, seriously, I mean, I mean. Yeah, the me, sweetest it, words for a baseball fan. Yeah, what other sport? I mean, quarterbacks and centers report this week. That doesn't have the same ring. Yeah, Nico Goodrum's coming up next. Will he make it or not? That's the beauty of the game. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97 won the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Ticket text is at nine seven one three six. You don't need that right now because we got a guest, uh, and our guest is a player at a breakout season last year. Got the opportunity with the Tigers, uh, made a lot of it. And that's Nico Goodrum. How are you doing, Nico? I'm good. How you doing? Good. good. Last year, uh, you know, you got an opportunity to play with the Tigers, and. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, you might have a bright future. Things went pretty well for you. Uh, how do you uh, plan to take a step forward this year from uh, and build on last year? Um, you know, I've just been working hard uh, in the offseason, and I'm working my coaches, uh, you know, every day to, to improve the game. I think that's what everyone goes there and try to do. So, um, you know, day in, day out, I'm uh, you know remain focused and, and um, just, just continue to get better. Well, you you had to be happy with your year. I mean, you'd had 17 major league at bats. Tigers gave you an opportunity, a little bit here, a little bit there, to start. Of course, that homer in Chicago early on, when nobody could get it past the infield, it didn't seem uh, that didn't hurt on a snowy day. But I mean, you had to be pleased with with the way that you were given playing time. You earned that playing time, and you and you responded with a heck of a year. Yeah, man, it was you know a blessing to be able to you know come to the organization for the first first year, you know, and. Um, you know, coming to spring, a uh, minor league sign and, and win a job, you know, out of minor league, um, I mean, out of spring training. And then, you know, become a everyday player, um, you know, my rookie season. And, you know, so I'm, I'm pleased with it. But, you know, now that's, that's last year. So my focus is, you know, on this year and, you know, um, getting wins and, you know, improving every day. Well, sitting here looking at it, uh, just to double check, you had 505 innings at second base, 222 innings at first base, 150 innings in the outfield, 75 at shortstop, and uh, you know some at third base. I mean, uh, you're one of those guys who virtually plays every position. Which do you prefer, and uh, what do you anticipate you'll be playing most this year? Well, I mean, that's that's tough now for me that I, I play them all. Uh, I came up at shortstop. Um, you know, my whole life through the minor leagues and um, made that transition to, to moving around the diamond um, in 2017. But uh, I can't I can't call it as far as picking one. Um, but, um, you know, I'm open to, you know, what the Tigers want to do, wherever they want to put me. Um, that's where I'll be having the plan time. Um, they haven't said anything to me yet as far as where I'll be at. But, uh, you know, I'm just – I have all my gloves. Just, you know, <laughs> be ready. How, how um, many total? So, like seven, eight? Well, um, yeah, I have, let me see, middle and field one, third base, first first base in my outfield, but um, I made a few this offseason to, um, to see which one I like as far as the, the style of it. But, yeah. 
Um, I have one for every position. Don't have a catcher mitt, though. I know Guardian has a, <laughs> he says a, said a few things about that. He had some fun uh, with that this year, didn't he? He's like, yeah, yeah I, I, Nico tells me he caught in what, the Pony League or something? <laughs> yeah, he tried, to, he tried to throw that in there, so we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> Would you, do you like, especially as we've seen, and I always reference Ben Zobris, but there have been others through the year. Sean Figgins, Sean Figgins was a, a phenomenal three-position player. I think he really was the first to play second, third, outfield. He was really good for a few years. That kind of player has such great value when they play those positions all well. Do you like the idea of being able to contribute? In other words, would you rather have one position, or do you like the idea that you can contribute at a bunch of positions and increase your value that way? Well, I just think it's you know, how you look at it. Um, you know, being able, everyone can't play every position. You know, a lot of, you can't take a lot of first basemen and put them out in, you know, the outfield and center field and move a lot of right field and shortstop. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's been a blessing, to, you know, to be able to play each position. You know, I can go over first base and I'm 6'4", and it's not that big of a uh, difference. But, um, you know, I can't really call it. I'm so used now to used to moving around. But, you know, if they want to find me a position, you know, and, and let me go out there and play a position every day, um, you know, that's on them. You know, they, they call the shots um, as far as that goes. But, uh, you know, where position uh, I'm at, you know, they, they know what they'll get. You know, when you look at uh, this coming season, Nico, do, uh, there's not a lot of projections for you guys to win. But I would imagine in the clubhouse you guys look at it a little bit different. How do you view the season and what do you expect from the team this year? Man, we're ready to go. You know, we have, you know, exciting players, man. We just, you know, last year, a lot of us, you know, it was my rookie year, and we had a lot of that for a lot of players. It was their first year, and, you know, it's a couple guys who are their second year. So um, we're just a real young team that, you know, is trying to, we're trying to figure out how to adjust to, to the big leagues and become every day you're in the big leagues. And um, it's different, um, but I, I feel a lot of us are, are getting, you know, adjusted well and, um, I feel you guys will see a different, uh, different team from last year because um, we're, we're an exciting team. You know, a lot of people just don't tune in, but we're a very exciting team. And you know, I I go out there, I play, I play fast. I you know go out there, and I'm I'm pretty excited. We got Jacoby, um, you know, doing his thing out there in center. Um, you know, we got Miggy, we got Nick, we have just got Jordy, Candy um, over at third. Um, you know, I. We just we have a lot of guys that it's pretty exciting, man. So uh, I'm excited for it. I think everyone is is too, and we know what we have in that clubhouse, so we don't really worry about you know what people may have to say. Um, you know when they're saying we might have a down year, we don't we're not even listening to that because we know we we have something to prove, and um, you know let's go out there and win those games. We certainly know. I mean, you're certainly familiar with the Minnesota style of play. That's the system you grew up in. Can you just real briefly describe for fans? Because my argument is, even in a 98-loss season, this was a fun team to watch because of what you just said. There's some really good athletes on this team. They play the game the right way under Ron Gardenhire. Just talk about how he and his staff teach the game that, that make it, for you guys, fun to play. But it's a good brand of baseball. Right. Uh, Gardenhire lets us go out there, and he lets us um, play freely. It's not a Oh, you made you did something wrong, so I'm I'm almost uh, punishing you for something. It's not it's not that. So uh, we don't we don't worry uh, about um, the mistakes that we will make. Um, it's just all a learning process, and that's how Guardy keeps it. it keeps it fun. It keeps it loose. 
um, for us to go out there and learn from our mistakes. And, um, you know, they're big. Um, guardian and coach staff are big on playing the game the right way, respecting the game. Um, you know, there's a way to do everything. And um, that's that's first on the on the list is play the game the right way, play it hard, respect it, and um, it will take care of you. Um, so he really stresses that to us. Nico, we appreciate the time. Good luck this coming season. I appreciate that. Nico, thanks. thanks. We'll see you down in Florida in a little bit. All right now. There you go. It was Nico Goodrum, uh, jack of all trades. What are you expecting? Uh, looking at second base possibly as being the main position? Yeah, I, for I think so. I, I just I love the idea of him playing multiple positions. Dave Clark really feels like he can be an outstanding. He only played, what, 20 games in the outfield. He thinks he can be an outstanding I agree with outfielder. That. And you know, because I was he's got the arm. Too, yeah. He's got. He's just got the instincts, and I think it would be. I, I won't be surprised to see that number double this year. I, I really think they'll keep him in multiple positions. I, I, right now, it is second base, but it just seems like there's a possibility that somebody they might be able to rotate him in at second base with somebody else. I don't know who they would be right now, whether it's Beckham or somebody else. But still, I, I think his value just increases that much more when you can move him around. You know, he had a 1.5 WAR last year. You say, what the hell does that mean? Well, it means that that's better than what you possibly would have thought. The uh, guy you got for nothing. Yeah, somebody who just didn't, he couldn't, they couldn't get him on the 40-man roster with the Twins, and that was a really good decision by the Tigers to get him. He is athletic. I was stunned, stunned being a relative, but in spring training watching uh, the, the first. Yeah, I mean, he just, he's a good athlete. And uh, he's not. It's not like he's totally unrefined in the game. He has some refinement in the game that can be fine tuned. But anyway, enjoy the show. Coming up next, Pistons tonight, and then Ken Cal be here, and it's Inside Hockey Town. This is ninety-seven one. The ticket. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 